Hi, I'm Otto. Welcome to Ellen Sarah's podcast. This is a very unique episode for us. And we really want to make sure that people like stick it out and, and stay to listen because you'd think that this would be a very hard topic to listen to and that the episode would be sad, depressing, hard to hear, but it actually is extremely inspiring, very uplifting. So much so that we did this, we had this conversation with Jake Glazer, who was born HIV positive. Mm -hmm. We had this conversation, not for our podcast. We had it on one of his channels and we were so inspired by it and loved it so much that we asked, we said, would you be okay if we made it one of our episodes? If we had this conversation. We were yeah. shocked at the at, at how the conversation ended up going. And so we knew that it would be something really interesting to the audience. So um it's an important conversation. And it's also something you never think about. Like if you've never been exposed to the situation, we don't live in our lives wondering what it's like to be HIV positive today in 2021. We don't really ask that question. Yeah. So it's not something you would think to dive into. And then once you do, you realize how much of, how huge a part of our childhoods was about HIV Yeah, and where are those people today? Like, what is it like living with it today? So it's, it's a really, really fascinating conversation. I loved speaking to him so much. What a cool guy. He's gonna, um, you know, teach me how to surf, which that's a whole other conversation, but we just loved our chat. It never even occurred to me you know, we have conversations with people all the time on their platforms. And this is the first time where we were like, please, can we have this? Will you give us this conversation mm-hmm. for our listeners? Yes. We are actively involved in the Elizabeth Glazer Pediatric AIDS Foundation, which is how we got um, connected with Jake. Mm-hmm. His mother was Elizabeth Glazer. And we encourage you guys to listen to this and also get involved. Yep. So enjoy. yeah, honestly, enjoy this episode. You will. Hello to both of you. Um, just quickly for everyone that's listening and watching, um, my name is Jake Glazer, and I'm an ambassador for the Elizabeth Glazer Pediatric AIDS Foundation. And it is my honor to have two wonderful women here with me today who have been incredibly longtime supporters of the foundation, um, which is very hard to find these days. And you're both both very special in that respect. Uh, Aaron and Sarah Foster. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having us. Having us. By the, the way, I have um, not looked at the question. So this is going to be like the most authentic conversation you can have because this just got put in front of me. Haven't even looked at it. <laughs> like We're going to just have one of those conversations. Sarah, the what? good news is that when you're being yourself, your authentic self, you don't need to prepare your questions. But that's this what is what just going to be natural. But exactly. a lot of people prepare these like perfectly crafted answers. And listen... One of us might go off the rails and it'll be great uh, television. You know which one it'll be. I love it. Well, I I kind of expect it. I, I've, I've, I've gathered your whole ethos. I've been listening to your podcast. I love how real both of you get when, when you start talking about life. I mean, it's, uh, it's really refreshing actually to be able to listen to, to two individuals who, yes, you, you have your celebrity and you've lived quite an amazing life and you're, you're in that public eye, but you keep it real. And I just want to thank you so much for, for being, you know, a beacon of inspiration for people out there that are constantly just battling that internal life experience and that journey where we're always trying to, you know, whether it's confront our insecurities or, or deal with our fears or celebrate the wins in life. 
um, and understand that it's okay to have all of that and have a super special and exciting and bright life. And, um, and so, yeah, I've listened to your podcast and, uh, there's my, my, my little moment of praise for, for, for both of you for all you do. I mean, it's nice that you see us that way. I don't think Aaron and I see ourselves like that. I think, (laughs) I mean, Aaron might, Aaron's really bought into her own hype. I'm always shocked. (laughs) No, no, I'm genuinely, I'm shocked when anyone comes up to me and says, I love your podcast or I love your show or I just bought your favorite daughter thing. I'm always like, wait, oh my God, really? I always operate from that place of, you know, a little bit of that imposter syndrome, a little bit of that, like nobody cares what I have to say. So I'm always just really grateful when people do. And I don't know if I'll ever get to a place where I expect it. I just don't know if I'll, sorry, someone's being hot and pants. Well, that's family life. Yeah, that is yeah. just but just to just to kind of what Sarah's saying is that I it's not about believing your own hype. It's that deciding to be yourself regardless of mm-hmm. how people react. And sometimes it doesn't get a good reaction, and sometimes it gets a great reaction, and you have to be willing to accept both. So I've my whole sure. life had so many people go, Aaron, you can't say that. That's too honest, or that's too real, or that's not what you say to somebody. And mm. if somebody asks you for, for feedback on something, don't give it to them. Just say they look great, or say that you love their boyfriend, or you know, totally. give, don't give the straight answer because it can be um, like uncomfortable for people. And I have always just operated from a different place that it felt, um, especially like you're saying, the world that we live in and operate in. That I'm sure you know very well, also which um, is this Los Angeles culture, which is mostly based on not being real. And I think when you're confronted, surrounded by so much of that, um, you feel like you're going crazy, you know, because you really don't know what people really think of you. Totally. Only you want to hear and people kiss your ass or they ignore you. And it's like, there's no in between. And it's all this like hierarchy of like where your position is in life. And when you're on top, they want to be friends with you. And when you're not on top, they ignore you. Sure, and totally. When you're surrounded by that. The only option is you either give in, buy into it and like <laughs> hate yourself and feel so insecure and threatened all the time, or you choose not to buy into it and you go against it and you choose to be yourself and it doesn't work for everyone, but at least you know that you're being authentic and then you can sleep easier. So true. So true. And that's, I mean, you couldn't have teed up a narrative for this conversation any better. I mean, authenticity um, finding your independent self, going against the grain, disrupting, um, not subscribing to what everyone and everything around you says that you have to be. Um, I'm HIV positive, and that narrative in life has followed me everywhere. And a lot of my own journey has been, uh, you know, like I, I know, you know, talking about being your true self, being able to understand that rejection will happen. I mean, whether it's friends, whether it's random strangers that learn about HIV status, whether it's a partner in a relationship, um, you know, understanding that some people will react negatively. uh, But at the end of the day, you know, finding that true self, um, being who you are, yes, it's going to piss some people off. And at the same time, you're going to find your kin, right? You're going to find your community that loves that about you and supports you in that way. Um, You know, and I think that is clearly very much what my mother was so dedicated to creating, you know, one of our, you know, where, where we met and where our past has, has has crossed paths and led us to now is our fundraiser, Time for Heroes. And, you know, it's meant to be a place where you can be yourself and it's about having fun and being authentic in life in that way. Um, and I know that you've both been coming for so many years. And- you're one. You're one. Seriously, year no, one. We were, there, 
what, what year was year one? I didn't even. 93, 92? 92. No, yeah. we were at the first, that's it was the first time we had a celebrity. That's true. Wow. It was like the first time I ever got a photo with Keanu Reeves. I mean, it was like the craziest I've never experienced. That's next level. On, oh my we were gosh. At year one, Jake. All right. Well, you're, you are truly one of a kind because that's, uh, that, that's a rarity. You know, and yeah. I talked to a lot of people about what this, this event represents, um, you know, and, and it is fun. And I, and how cool that you guys were able to go when you were kids. And then, you know, now- it was a huge staple in our childhood. It really was like a very, wow. it was like, because it was very, um, it was, it was the same every year. It always had like the most important, coolest celebrity. <laughs> the, what, what really stands out for me is 90210 because I, and then you, what yeah. would happen is you'd always, you'd go to these different booths. I mean, you know it, but I'm just saying it out loud for everybody. You go to these different booths and you'd get a photo with like Luke Perry. And I had a photo of me in nineties <laughs> overall shorts and my like floral, like little like crop top. And I was, I don't know how old, like 11 years old. And I got my photo with Luke Wild. Perry. And I thought, I thought we had a romantic connection, but I was 11. <laughs> and, and I had that Polaroid cause you always get these Polaroids and they, yeah, and like, yeah. Have Polaroids back then. So like, you know, cause you'd always have like regular photos you take to see. And you'd have that little book that you'd put the Polaroids in and. Exactly. Yeah, and my nice. Polaroids were on the, um, my, my bulletin board, obviously in my room on oh, the how fun. board and I would show them off to everyone. At that age, you can't possibly grasp what we were really there doing and what we were really there raising money for at such totally. a young age. But we associate it with as like a really warm family event. It felt warm. Mm. It felt loving. And of course, at 10 years old, you can't possibly understand the, the highest level of emotion that this event sure. connected to. Right. Right. But, and it was also a different, well, I'll, I'll, I interrupt. Well, did no, I mean, I think you, you make a really good point because it is meant to be that comforting experience and it's meant to represent family and it's meant to be fun. My mom, uh, so too quick, we'll get back to this. My mom was all about fun. And I feel like if she was here today with the three of us, I think it would be a whole different ball game. One of, one of the things that I did cue on to in, in, in your podcast was I feel like you're, you're both tequila women. <laughs> I like your tequila, but if I'm drinking, it's tequila. Yeah, Sarah is Sarah takes like one sip of something. She's like, oh my God, I'm wasted. And we're like, I love Shit. being wasted, but it just doesn't take me that much. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, you're 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 a lightweight and a cheap date. So hey, look, it yeah, it, 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 it works out for all of us. No, look, I think the um the value of it was my mom. Okay, first of all, my mom was a tequila woman too. She loved tequila. And there was a it was a tradition of the foundation, um, and still is that anytime like a big fundraising event or a big milestone was hit. We would break out the shot glasses. People would take tequila. Everyone would come back to our house in Santa Monica and we'd jump into the pool with all of our clothes on. Um, and that was just, you know, her testament to like the celebration of life, understanding that when that day's done with the fundraising and the needed funds that came from that, the work continues and that follow through has to take place. You know, I can imagine, I mean, even me as a kid, I mean, as an HIV, HIV positive kid, I just ran around that place like a wild child, just having fun. And it was a break from it all. Did your parents ever talk to you at that age about what it did represent? Did you ever have questions? Can you remember, like, what is HIV? I mean, because clearly you were exposed to the discussion at a young age. Yeah, I mean, we were born, Sarah's 81, I'm 82, right, Sarah? 
if we remember our year, year three. And if we're <laughs> just like playing our ages, like what you're like, what kind of monster are you? Not everyone can do the math on that, you know? <laughs> I can't do math very well. Like, I wasn't gonna ask. I wasn't gonna ask. Aaron is the worst. Oh I, my it's, gosh. <laughs> See, this is where I get in trouble for being too authentic. I gotcha. Um, okay, but you're 84, right, Jacob? So yep. um, you know, as you know, the 80s were a really, really scary time to have a conversation. Yeah. HIV. It was like, there was very little understanding around it and a lot of fear around it. And so we grew up in that generation. And then the nineties was really spent it from what I remember, um, trying to educate people on it, trying to create some normalcy, but it was still an extremely like scary thing. You didn't know people had HIV. You, you didn't, you knew at that point that it wasn't like airborne. You're not going to catch it by being friends with that person, but there's a lot of fear around it. You'd always think like, you'd always hear things like open cut in the mouth. So you can't kiss that person. Like a lot of under misunderstood information and then totally. today we're in such a different place where you meet somebody like you who lives i mean you would tell me i don't know if you live a completely normal <laughs> healthy, healthy life but we're, we'll get we'll get there completely different situation than you were when we were kids so when, when we were kids there totally. was a lot of fear around it um and i think that 93 it, it felt like thing. it felt like oh my god you have hiv that gets a death in 93 yes. it was like you didn't yeah. understand and treatment. You just didn't understand a route for treatment. And if you ask my children today, it's the same thing as cancer. It's, it's, if if anything, it's even potentially, um, easier to manage actually than cancer. Right. I mean, there are true, and you'll explain this to us, but it has been completely destigmatized for my daughter. My daughter's 10 and for her cancer is a way scarier word than Mm. HIV positive. And right. if that isn't freaking incredible, if that yeah. isn't like how far this has come from it's when in- I was when I was her age, I mean, there you go. Yeah, totally. And you, I mean, look, you make an amazing point. It's true. We've come leaps and bounds. Um, you know, nineteen. So to take us back there to you know, my mom passed away from AIDS in 1994. You know, she started the foundation um, years prior, and so much of your family's involvement and really all of Hollywood. I mean, my dad being Starsky from Starsky and Hutch really called upon Hollywood to kind of, you know, come to, to our doorstep and participate. Um, and that money, that privately raised funds went into medical research that developed the, the ability to stop the transmission of HIV from a mother to her child. Um, you know, my sister, Arielle, she's, an angel logo of the foundation. I have the painting right up here, uh, hanging on the wall. That's the original, you know, she drew that. Uh, I remember it very well. Yeah. I mean, and she drew it very close to her passing and her message was there's nothing to fear in this world. It's all about love, you know, and she knew her purpose here and and she gave us this future with that inspiration. Um, you know, the, the wild part for someone like me who's HIV positive is, um, you know, you talk about stigma We've come leaps and bounds. Stigma does still exist in this world in, in, a, in a fairly big way. And it's, it's in sneaky ways too, which is really interesting. And so, um, you know, part of the effort that I am a part of with the foundation and what we continue to do is yes, destigmatize, but also like new narrative and, and, and a, a new dialogue, new stories from people that are living really healthy lives. Um, you know, I'm glad you asked. This is this is the reality of my status today. I'm I'm super healthy. I have an undetectable viral load, and I take these two teeny tiny pills once a day, 
And I would say probably 90% of the people in my life take more pills than I do. And they're not HIV positive and they're much bigger than this. Um, and you know, there are moments where I'll be in Africa and I'll be working with, you know, a huge group of youth and you know, young, young adults, and I'll take my pills in front of them. And like the response is like, <sighs> like no way you just publicly took your pills. Like what? Like, that's not okay here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and even sometimes here that happens. I mean, I had an experience recently and I want to get, get your reaction from this. I mean, I had a family member that essentially uh, a young family member in high school who shared a fork with me at a dinner and like texted me at 2 AM being like, am I going to get HIV? And I'm like, Whoa, like you're a junior in high school and this is what you believe. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like there's, there are, there have been leaps and bounds. The treatment is incredible, but how we are delivering this information and how we are destigmatizing and sharing these stories must evolve. Okay, so eating clean is very trendy finally. Thank God it is because we need to be eating clean. Um, but we don't think about if we are cleaning clean. And that sounds kind of silly, but it's very real. You know, the things that we use in our house, by the way, you have little kids in your house, the products that we use to clean our dishes, hand soap, dish soap, laundry detergent, window treatments, window sprays. I mean, this, these things are very toxic and they also are wasting so much plastic. You throw them away all the time, every month. So Blue Land is a company that like I personally have it's it. It's very pleasant to look at. It's very pleasant. I have it personally in my house. It comes with I these. I also have it in my house. Okay, it wasn't a competition. Oh, it was just, just stating the truth that I actually am a customer. Mm-hmm. And it gives you these containers that you keep and then you just are on a subscription service with these tablets that have like different cleaning solutions in them. So you basically have like a big spray bottle that you keep in your house with like a color code and then you get new tablets like this one's for your windows and this one's for your, you know, countertops and it saves so much plastic and it's healthy and clean and it's, I'm obsessed with it. Do you I use the it. laundry and they also have laundry and dishwasher? I do use the laundry. Tablets. Yeah, we love I use this it. company. You know, you can put, literally put dishwasher tabs and you put convenient laundry tabs instead of having all the like, you know, the gunky stuff that like spills everywhere. Because you know, every time you pour it into the lid and then you put the lid back in the thing, it like drips out on the side and it's sticky on your hands. Yeah. Sarah, do you know that? Do you, have you done laundry before? Do you know laundry? Um, yes, I do laundry. You I do, do laundry? dishes. I do all of it. Well, you're looking at me like you've never experienced the thing I'm just talking about where you pour it into the lid. You put a lid Can on I be the thing. With you? I, I, I tuned you out like a minute ago. Oh, okay. So it's not that you've never done no. laundry. God, no. I wish. It's just that you don't listen to me. Yeah. I, oh. I, I, by the way, I hate doing dishes, but I got to do them. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'd prefer, I, I'm glad that you're at least doing laundry, but not listening to me versus yeah. not doing laundry <laughs> and listening, and to, listening to me. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Also, these bottles, they start at $10 when you buy a kit and are meant to be reused forever with money saving refill tablets that start at just $2. So the bottles start at $10 and the tablets start at $2. Very affordable. You can get 15% off your first order when you go to blueland.com slash foster. That is B-L-U-E-L-A-N-D dot com slash foster. And that is 15% off your first order of any product Blue Land offers at blueland.com slash foster. That is blueland.com slash foster. Okay. So article has made me realize that I'm such an idiot for spending money on things that you do not need to spend money on. I concur. About like you. it's crazy. Article has those Mm-hmm. How do you say it? Boucle? Buccal? 
Boucle? Boucle? I don't know how Boutique? you... Boutique? Boucle. No, it's a fabric. It's like my chair. You know, oh, like the, I don't even know what that is. It's like a... It's not a fur, but it's oh, like the it's very like lambskin kind yes. of thing. That very trendy... What is it called? I think it's Boucle. Oh. Or Boucle. Either Definitely way. Definitely not Boucle. Either way, I think it's Boucle. Article has this fabric. Oh, that's very trendy right very now. Very trendy. The side tables you got, I was going to get those in that fabric. I did not get side tables. What I got is that Simon and I always have people over in our pool house to watch like sports games and stuff. And so many people come over that we don't have space. So I always take these like seating cubes that I have in my living room and we bring them to the to the pool house. And then when everyone leaves, we bring them back inside. So I got little like seating, what are they called? Like seating... Um, Ottomans. Ottomans. See, like these really cute greens, uh, green Ottomans. And I'm very, I love them. No, all the designs are so modern. They're so fresh. They're so clean. And I do not understand the prices. The prices are very, very fair. Okay. You save up to 30% over traditional retail prices. Also, you can get mid-century. You can get Scandinavian. You can get industrial, bohemian. Like it has everything. I just love for, if you're going to like, if you're thinking like we all do, like, oh, like I just wish I could refresh this room in my house. Mm -hmm. Article is such an amazing way to literally get an entire new room for a very good price. Okay. Also, the fast affordable shipping is available across the US and Canada and is free on orders over $999. By the way, great rugs also. You got it. Just, just please go on article. You'll see that we are not exaggerating. Here. Exactly. The, the, so the quality is amazing. Article is offering our listeners fifty dollars off your first purchase of one hundred dollars or more. Go to article.com/foster, and the discount will automatically be applied at checkout. That is article.com/foster to get fifty dollars off your first purchase of one hundred dollars or more. By the way, you know I think that people have gotten this very, very small glimpse into what it feels like to be the pariah in the room. Because when you all decide to get together the last year and a half, we've all been dealing with COVID. And I've been in a bunch of situations where everybody decides to go to the same place. Everybody gets tested. And Mm -hmm. then one person goes, oh shit, guys, I tested positive for COVID. The way that those people turn on you and make you feel like you did this to them, that you put them in that position, that you intentionally put them in harm's way, that now they are, you know, only thinking about themselves. Hmm. I went to a birthday dinner. We all got tested. We all sat outside. And then two days later, I ended up getting a false positive, my husband and I both. And we were like really scared. And the feeling we had for that, like two hours that we thought we were positive, the way people treated us and the way that they were so upset with us when we had all willingly gone to the By same way, horrible to you. Horrible. Yeah. And it just, it, it gives you, I Wild. think a lot of people have probably been experiencing this feeling of like the shame around carrying this thing that they may have potentially put other people at risk and the way that people kind of sure. take that distance and like the way that people treat you like, you know, it's, it's just a really um, emotional thing for people. And it's really oh, uncomfortable yeah. when you have no control over having HIV. We have no control over getting COVID if you are being responsible and you are the unlucky one who got it, but people treat you differently. And I can't imagine what that's like for you on a, on your whole lifespan experiencing that. Well, it's, uh, so I was born HIV positive and while I didn't have any control over that. And while my mom didn't have any control over her, uh, her, her contracting the virus, you know, through blood transfusion, cedar cyanide, 1981, um, 
where I was born there, in 81. I mean, that could have been our mom. And that's, I, that's what I always yeah, thought, yeah, you know, yeah, I was totally. born in 81 at Cedar sinai And that's, you know, it's the, that, that message. I mean, when my mother stood up at the Democratic National Convention in 92 and spoke, you know, it was this message of like, this is a human disease and this can happen to anybody. You know, there are a, a lot of people out there that contract this virus um, you know, not from birth, whether it's through uh, sexual behavior, whether it's through intravenous drug use, you know, and behavior is a really big component to this. I mean, right now I showed you those two pills, those two pills. I take those every single day. You know what that creates for me an undetectable viral load, which means that I cannot pass this virus on to anybody else under any circumstances, under any circumstances, sexually to drugs or anything. You cannot pass it. There's not wow. enough of it in my system to be able to pass. And by and the so, way, that's different than the other medication that there is, right? Is it is it called PrEP? Is that PrEP? Yep. Okay. So PrEP. okay. Yeah, and PrEP, and this is so actually the medication that I take, one of the two pills, is a variation of of what PrEP does in your system as well, which wow. which blocks receptors for the virus to be able to multiply. Um, you know, but so much of this that that we are talking about in the world now is we've spent so much time stopping the transmission from mother to child that now we have this generation of young adults that don't have access to the right education and, and the right information. And it's not being delivered like by a messenger that's relevant to them. And so we're at this tipping point where you have all these HIV negative young adults in the world that are becoming, how do you stop them from contracting the virus? And it's kind of like this, this bubble that could, that could burst in our, in our, in our, all of our work over the past, you know, 15, 20 years could go out the window and, so much of what we experience in that and it is how we're continuing the conversation and how we are we are truly destigmatizing because look there are people out there who contracted it through let's say sexual behavior and they do deal with as you talked about like with with covid and kind of all of us getting this glimpse into kind of the what it's like the irresponsible the, the, a the shame factor and then it's interesting because there's there's almost a split right there's that there's that judgment of what did you do? How did you contract it? Why would you put me at risk? And those negatives. And then on the other side, I see a world where people are sharing on social media that they got a vaccination shot or being comfortable wearing a mask saying, I'm comfortable sharing publicly that I'm protecting myself and other people. I mean, I ask people all the time. I'm like, if social media existed when HIV hit, like oh what would what would the stigma have perpetuated in that experience, or or would there have been some at all? I and mean, the I, shaming of people, you know, it happened so much early on in COVID. The shaming of someone giving somebody else COVID, getting a vaccine early, getting tests early. There's this mm. like hierarchy of everybody pointing the finger at each other, and then mm. you we, we keep moving the goalposts. We keep changing what's acceptable, and the truth is, whatever we do is acceptable, but whatever you do, if it puts me at risk, is unacceptable. By the way, and, we were shamed for wearing masks in the beginning. Remember that? Remember before we were yeah. told that masks are actually, we were shamed. How dare you? How dare you wear a totally. mask? Totally. Like, I mean, it's just, yeah, you took that well, mask the, from a frontline worker. So, I mean, you look at like some of that, I guess uh, I would say stigma and discrimination in, some, in, in a lot of ways here, how we experience that. Someone who walks through the doors in sub-Saharan Africa to a clinic to either get an HIV test or receive their medication is seen and treated in a lot of ways in the same way because they're sitting there going, what did you do in your life to create this moment where you are now HIV positive and you have to go there? Are you, you, know, are you a bad person? Did you make bad decisions? Well, guess what? 
no, you're not a bad person. And guess what? People do make bad decisions. It's called being a human being. But what are you going to do about it if you cross and when you have to cross that bridge? And one of the, the amazing opportunities we have in the world now is that these two pills can actually become one pill and it can be available to almost everybody. Access is still an important uh, uh, topic that we have to talk about in Sub-Saharan Africa um, and in other places in the world, but this is available and the stigma around taking these pills is still staggering. And so whether it's stigma around taking pills, whether it's sharing the right information here in the U.S. about education into HIV and AIDS, this is a chronic illness right now. You said there's almost, you know, a bet, like a better perspective on it than you would have cancer. I mean, the truth of the matter is, is HIV is not going to kill me. It's going to be something else. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're, we're all going to live and we're all going to die. And the beauty of what I've been able to at least find and what I try to share through my advocacy is being HIV positive doesn't make me a victim. I have the option to make, to have it make me a human icon because at the end of the day, the mortality that I have to face and recognize gives me the choice to live every single day to the fullest. And that's a reality and something that we need those that are infected, affected, and anybody, really everybody, every human on earth needs to feel that type of experience of, like you said, be your true authentic self. Caring for yourself and others is actually one of the coolest things you can do if you want to be in an in crowd. I mean, I remember like, I think it was, um, Oh my gosh. It was like a, it was, it was a Jonah Hill movie and like a, a kid rocks up in, um, uh, I think it was like 22, 21 jump street. Like a kid rocks up in a Prius and he's, and, and he tries to make fun of him. Like the old world in high school would be like, like, why are you driving like a sustainable vehicle? Like, why aren't you in like a, you know, a rebuilt Mustang or something like that? And he gets completely shamed for being old world thinking of being like, no, actually driving a Prius is actually the cool thing to do nowadays. Mm-hmm. Right. right. And so confidence in his decision, which then makes the other pers- person really look like an asshole. Totally. And so like flipping that script is such an important component here. And so, you know, also, I, I want to say, like, you are an icon. How many people were diagnosed in 84 who are living the life you're living now? Like we've, we've lost a lot. We've lost a lot of people and there, there, there are a handful of long-term survivors that have made it through that. And I have a lot to be grateful for. I actually have a genetic mutation that keeps me super healthy. Um, which is very rare what a world that like my mom and dad met each other and all this and they had me and I've been you know protected and healthy through this um, which has given me an opportunity to give a voice to people who don't necessarily have that voice um, you know but but just to t- you know to take it back to you know I mean this is an incredible conversation because people do need to understand that we need to be more inclusive and we got to start sharing that you know these decisions we make even if it's a bad decision you make in your life you have the ability to choose to learn from it and to move forward. And that doesn't have to define you. And if God forbid you get a positive HIV test in this world, guess what? You have the opportunity to be perfectly okay. Mm -hmm. You can have an undetectable viral load. You will live a long, healthy life and you can worry about all the other things that life is going to throw at you, but you don't have to worry about HIV. Um, So Jacob, sorry to ask you, but so where, how does it play out in your everyday life? How does it play out for you at a dinner party like you're saying, <laughs> someone gets nervous to share a fork with you or in relationships, romantic relationships, dating. Day's still over. I mean, we'll let him talk about it. He, no. He, well, gone, but he just told, he just told a story about how his niece got nervous when he, when she shared a fork with him and that, that, that. The, still yeah. I mean, look, 
I'm a unique case just in the fact that like I have a celebrity parent. And so disclosure was never my decision. Mm -hmm. Like no matter who I meet, right. Someone's parents going to be like, Oh, your dad Starsky connect the dots. Elizabeth Glazer, the foundation has its name out there. Um, So I've learned very well to pretty much be like, I am who I am. And if you don't like that, that's your loss. Like continue with your life. Um, I can't say that for everyone else. The reality is, is the psychological weight that people feel uh, who don't have that confidence or do, don't have that individuality and that experience can be crippling, you know, to go out there and not only just say, you know, are, are my relation, my friendships on the line here is my relationship on the line here um, is a very real experience that I think we need to continue to support. And you guys, both of you do an amazing job at that for your podcast, just kind of reinforcing like be yourself, be honest. Um, and you're going to get flack from certain people, but you're also going to get a ton of support from certain people. Like, I think the most important thing that people can hear in this world now is the, the amount of people that will support you for being honest about your HIV status greatly outweighs the amount of people that will not support you, but they don't know that community's there. Yeah. So like, we need to perpetuate that narrative. You know, we did a very interesting, uh, pilot program where it was a test for ticket. We went out to Zambia and we had a rock star who's a Zambian Danish rock star come with us. And we had him send the message. He was the messenger come to this kick-ass concert. We have all these DJs, all these famous Zambian uh, influencers and individuals coming to this event. If you want to come and get a ticket, you have to get an HIV test. The Elizabeth Glazer Pediatric AIDS Foundation helped provide like a roadmap to be able to receive care and treatment. If your test comes back positive in four weeks, we tested 11 and a half thousand adolescents all of them got their results and all of them ended up coming to the concert. And so that's when we ultimately found ourselves in a position that said, look, you know, instead of a lapel shirt and like a doctor and that sterile experience coming in and saying, do X, Y, and Z for your health. What if it's Aaron and Sarah Foster or Jake Glazer or Thomas Butenschoen or Jonah Hill or any one of the, you know, anybody who simply says like, I see you and you see me and we're not as different as, as you might think. Osea is my oh. dream. Osea is my, you know, and I everything. also want to say we talk about, we'll always talk about multiple skincare brands because the truth is we use multiple. So we don't, no one just uses one single brand, right? No. You, that's just, that's not how it works. You got to use many different things. And Osea is one of those things. It will just always be in the rotation. It is very it hard. It will always I, be in the rotation. It will always be in the rotation, but I will say it is very hard to find clean skincare oh. products that are good for your skin and for the planet, but actually also give you results. I am... Osea does that. Osea is, by the way, Valentina's using it too. Valentina loves it. She's using it. And it's the only stuff that you'll actually let her use. I let her use the the spray, like the hydrating toner. Their masks are insane. The cleanser's insane. The the barrier moisturizer. Oh, I love it. In the morning, morning I use the environmental barrier moisturizer. But I bathe myself in like the the heavy moisturizer. The anti-aging hand cream. It's the... Is my favorite. I don't love that it, it's saying anti-aging, so I don't want people to see that in my in my handbag or anything like that. But I love the anti-aging hand cream. It is very nice. You just cover up the Anyways, label. I use the body oil every night after I get out of the shower. I use the Andaria Algae Body Oil. I haven't tried the body okay. oil. It feels it just feels luxurious. It's not greasy. It's not sticky. I'll it try absorbs anything beautifully they do. into my skin. Mm-hmm. And Simon just runs his his hand up my leg and says, "Wow, you sound you feel so smooth." The products are clean, they're vegan, they're cruelty-free, all the things that you really need to be um, created with sustainably sourced seaweed, 
It's made in California. This company's been around a long time. I'd say it's a small business, even though they're pretty big now. Mm-hmm. It was like a woman in Malibu that started it. Um, okay. We just so love it. We try, love it. try, try. So experience your new favorite clean skincare line with a special discount just for our listeners. Get 10% off your first order with promo code FIRST at oseamalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and orders over $50 are free shipping. You're going to want all of it. So go to oseamalibu.com. Use the code FIRST. Um, okay, Noom. Noom shows results. We have friends who started using Noom before we knew about Noom. And we would say like, what are you doing? How do you, you've never looked healthier. You've never looked better. You've it's just lost like, it's, a lot it's of like weight. Very, listen, there's, there's, it's, not, there's not a whole lot of new ways for someone to like they look found better it, and they healthier. created a new way. Somehow this is a new yeah. way. It is a very yeah. fascinating that you like won't understand until you actually try and use the app, but it is a fascinating app that is not a restrictive health plan diet. Okay. It's not like that. It is a totally different way to look at food and your diet and your lifestyle. Right. It's not just about like, oh, don't eat that pasta. Okay. I'm going it, to, it's so nope. much more than It reframes that. how you look at all of it. It yes. like, it like goes to like the mental state around your emotional connection with food. No, it's like a psychology based approach to completely help change the mindset. And by the way, for good people that go on it are like, oh no, no, I'm sticking with this. And mm-hmm. I think they do. Cause we always think of like, this food's bad and this food's good. Like don't eat the pasta, but yes, eat the salad. And that's like not how to have the feeling that you want in your body. There's also just so many things now. There's these programs and there's diets and there's all these different ways for people to get healthier or lose weight. And it's just, it's too much. Yeah. So whatever the goals are that you are looking to achieve, um, and if you don't want to see foods as bad or good foods, um, this is the app for you. It is interesting though, taking like this cognitive behavioral approach to trying to get healthier and like changing your relationship with food. And it really almost like you're taking control. Like you're the decision maker. Like and by the way, you don't have to be obsessed with this app. No. It takes 10 minutes a day. You don't have to be on it all day. It doesn't like rule your life. And by the all. way, they also have an option where you can work directly with like a coach, mm-hmm. with a health coach. It's really fascinating. But the people, so I know people where they're like, no, no, I walk into a grocery store. I don't even, it doesn't even occur to me to go grab the cookies now that I'm on Noom. It's like my, my, my brain has been rewired. I don't even think yeah, about and it. And you don't feel deprived. Yeah. Uh, so start building better habits for healthier long-term results. Sign up for your trial at noom.com slash foster. That is N-O-O-M dot com slash foster. We talked about, you guys have been coming to this event, Time for Heroes, since the beginning. In your life outside of that, um, you know, Sarah, I know, you know, you're a mom and do you talk about HIV with HIV with your kids after this event? You know, is, does this, does HIV as a narrative exist in your lives, you know, beyond, um, the moments? Like, I mean, I talk about this with my friends all the time, like world AIDS day, everyone hits me up on world AIDS day. And I'm like, what about the days other than other than December 1st? Can we talk about it then? How does this narrative live in your life outside of the, uh, the event? I mean, so when, Vivi went for the first time, of course, like there's the conversation of like, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to support. This is the mission. Mm -hmm. What is it? 
it's a virus. It's a, it's a virus that has changed drastically from when I was your age. And it's a virus that if God forbid you get just like any other virus, you will be okay. I mean, like mm. I said before, there is no stigma around HIV with my 10 year old. My five-year-old doesn't. <laughs> it's a little young. Yeah. He doesn't really understand much of anything, but like We've had open conversations. I mean, on a much smaller scale, we've talked about sure. the herpes virus. She sees people with cold sores on their mouth. What is that? That is a virus. It's highly contagious. Mm, yeah, yeah. That you can do this X, Y, and Z. Oh, should I not drink after people? Maybe you don't want to drink after strangers. I don't know. You don't know where people's mouths are. Right. But you can Just in it. general. Yeah. yeah. So like she knows about <laughs> yeah. Exactly. She knows about cancer. Uh, She's, she knows about these things, but yeah. there wasn't the heavy weight of AIDS and HIV is, mm. and like I said, it is just not on this generation. It, it, it really isn't. And, and how incredible, I mean, as she gets older, we'll have conversations about safe sex and we'll have like conversations sure. because even though there is, you know, uh, essentially, would you say there's a cure for eight? I mean, it, it feels no, like I'm, no, there's, there's, there is, but there's a behavioral cure, a behavioral right? Cure. Like we can, if, if we can in the right way, if we can impact and educate people and drive awareness around undetectable is untransmittable, right? If people's behavior can change in both their, you know, their, their sexual behavior, drug using, whatever, whatever it might be through the, the different forms of transmission, through behavioral awareness, we can eradicate this issue. Just yeah. part of the problem is the stories that we're telling about HIV and AIDS as a, as, a, as a world, as a globe, are still steeped in like the early 90s. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm going to, to, to speak at an event for Jewelers for Children in Vegas this weekend. Um, and one of the, the, the ideas that we had was like, you know, we, we kind of, in our effort to, to fundraise and to, you know, to pull out those heartstrings because that's a, a very effective way to fundraise. You know, we, we, we show sick, sick babies sometimes, and, and we show the reality of what some of that can be, but what about the hope and the, and the, and the positive future we can have? And so now I can't even count anymore how many HIV positive individuals have HIV negative partners and now have HIV negative children of their own that are healthy, that are strong. And that is the, the gift and the opportunity that every single person that's HIV positive deserves and they can access it. But how are we giving them that information and that opportunity? And a lot of that, like you said, you said for your, I think that's amazing that you talk to your daughter about HIV and that she doesn't see a stigma in that, you know, but when I have, uh, you know, someone in my family who's in high school and you're going, wait, why isn't like your high school, you know, sex ed teacher teaching you about this? They're showing you pictures of syphilis, but they're not talking about the reality of like HIV and AIDS in your world. Like that's crazy. And one of the best ways that I break down conversations with all of my advocates and, and, and fellow, uh, HIV positive, passionate, uh, um, individuals in Africa is I show up and I say, the first thing I say to just knock down that barrier. Cause I'm, I'm a white male from Venice beach, California. Like I am privileged and I know that I have a lot in my life that other people don't. And so I look at them and I go, you know what, at the end of the day, Hey guys, what's up? Let's talk about sex. And immediately they're like, Whoa, we don't talk about sex. And I'm like, you can ask me anything you want about my sex life, you know, because it's that honesty and it's coming to them from a place of, of being a real human. And that is, 
a very rare experience for them. I mean, even like I'll go in and be like, Oh, Hey, what's up guys? Like you're wearing vans. I'm wearing vans. Oh, cool. All right. We both like to skateboard. We both like vans. Maybe we can connect on that and something, not something else. So I think the, you know, the goal and what my hope is, is through, you know, interviews with individuals like yourselves and, and, and continuing this conversation outside of a time for heroes in these events is how can we impact not only the kind of institutional awareness, but also the cultural awareness of the fact that HIV is not over. It can impact everybody. It can come back. We need to be creative in how we move forward. And part of that is reinventing, right? The, the package that it's wrapped in and delivered to this generation. in. because the one thing that I know, at least from growing up is I didn't really want to be like my parents. I wanted to be my own. I wanted to rebel. Um, I didn't know what the healthy rebellion looked like. I was a pretty scrappy kid growing up and I got in a lot of trouble because of that. Um, and that's how I've found my way to relate to other young people, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, it's, there are a lot of people that don't know the reality of HIV and AIDS today. Um, and so Especially I know in the heterosexual community, I mean, my friends who are oh, yeah. gay, it's much more acceptable to talk about and it's acceptable to stay on a date and kind of like part of the culture is like, where do you stand? Where are you at with an HIV diagnosis? Do you take PrEP? Are you wearing you out with it in the heterosexual world it's just not talked about the same way it's not well no you're and you're right it's not talked about the same way and and so it's interesting you bring that out because you know a lot of the 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 unhealthy stigma in the past right was that this is a gay disease this is an intravenous drug using disease um and that still exists in the world but we've become a little more inclusive as a community and and the fact that certain communities do still support the continuation and kind of normalcy of getting tested and that narrative is a great support at the same time like yeah like my mom her being a face for hiv and aids magic johnson being a face for hiv and aids even myself like these are three heterosexual individuals that are hiv positive and i know a lot more heterosexual individuals that are hiv positive that the story of their lives don't get publicized as much because the perpetuation of that stigma whether we like it or not, is something that is steeped in our history and we need to break it. We need to more comfortable thinking of it as a gay disease. It's either in Africa or it's in the gay community. It's uncomfortable for people to change their own narrative because then it has to make them realize that like they could be the face of something that they didn't think they were doing the behaviors. Oh, I don't do drugs and I'm not gay, so I'm not going to get AIDS. And just because you're you're affected or infected or not, if you're if you're not impacted by HIV if you don't know someone who has it, or if you're not HIV positive yourself, just by not being a part of the proper education and, and supporting the awareness of what it means to keep yourself healthy as a human being, like you're guilty by association. Like at the end of the day, we all have to be a part of sharing that single line that we hold as a community moving forward to protect ourselves and others. And I feel like we've seen some of that with COVID and it's been really trippy for me going through this last year having gone through the early days of HIV and kind of experiencing this as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we have to break these stigmas and, you know, stigma that it's a, a gay disease stigma that this only exists in Africa. Um, there is a very uh, strong growing population um, of individuals that are contracting HIV in this country right now. And it's because of lack of information and we just don't have the tools to get to those people. And that's something that I'm super passionate about. And you wouldn't be here if you weren't passionate about it. 
So as we move forward, I mean, I just extend the invitation to you guys to, to join me in finding new ways to package this up, to deliver the information. There are so many young women in the world uh, that I do feel so strongly would be so inspired by the two of you in just how you approach kind of the internal struggles that humans deal with and the bright side of what can be possible when you confront those. And I just want to, you know, applaud you for that, continue it, um, you know, and, and maybe bring HIV into the discussion to your, to your community through this um, and a continuation of that as well. Okay, nothing is more frustrating than being in another country or, in my case, being in your own home <laughs> and people speaking another language and you having no idea what they're talking I about know. for many reasons. By the way, Simon is always saying to me, Aaron, if you just spoke Russian, we could like talk oh. behind people's backs in front of them. Babbel is 15-minute lessons to literally learn another language. Yeah, it's like bite-sized lessons. Yeah. But it helps you with like very real world things that you need to learn from greetings and menus and directions to gain a deeper understanding of the culture. And then you learn the rest of the By language. By the way, menus. Menus. Menus are very important. Montana, we were just in Italy. Couldn't read those menus? Well, mm -mm. we went to a real touristy places. Spaghetti so they had, is, yeah. Oh, yeah. Spaghetti, linguine. You're right. Spaghetti is, but all the things that are in it are not. Oh, the next thing you know, of, you're eating a clam spaghetti. Oh, next thing you know, you're ordering, you know, escargot. Oh, yeah, you would not be happy no, about that. I would not be well, happy. Well, if you had Babbel. Babbel, you can choose from 14 different languages. Mm -hmm. Spanish, French, mm -hmm. Italian. German. Also, like, how chic is it to, like, kind of know a little of another language? Mm -hmm. Like, how chic to be like, guess what? I've taken up French. Just makes you a little more interesting. Also, their speech recognition technology helps you to improve your pronunciation and the accent. Accents are very important. So right now, when you purchase a three-month Babbel subscription, you're going to get an additional three months for free. That is six months for the price of three. Just go to Babbel.com and use the promo code FOSTER. That is B-A-B-B-E-L.com code FOSTER. Okay. Send water. Let me guess. You care about the environment and you care about water tasting good. Well, we have the water for you. It's just, Zen. I look, the reality is we drink bottled water. That's just how it goes. Like we're drinking bottled water and there is really, and only... we're creating a lot of waste and that plastic is ending up back into the ocean at yep. some point. So what Zen water is doing is they are grabbing bottles. They're ocean bound plastic. So five bottles that are heading to the ocean, they take them out and they turn them into one fully recyclable bottle. Question and don't look at the page. Okay. By 2025, how many millions of pounds do you think? 500 million. Okay. Did I get that right? No. <laughs> but 50 million. Oh, God. They're too much. They are literally are going to rescue 15 million pounds. Okay, that is a lot, though. I don't know why I said 500 of million. Of ocean-bound plastic. I overshot. That's you, a lot. You did overshoot. By but, the way, how much how much ocean-bound plastic have you saved in your life? Zero. I Me mean, too. Probably a few pounds. I've definitely picked up some trash what? along I've the coastline. I've never seen you pick up trash in your life. Did you like go? Did you like get arrested? And that was like your your jail right, time. Here's the was thing: picking up trash on the beach. All right. Zen water is not only very you know environmentally friendly, but it just tastes so. Talk good. Talk about the part you actually care about. The part that, how it's it tastes. Good. Alkaline water. It just goes down so nice. It's, it's clean, so vapor refreshing. distilled, clean vapor distilled alkaline hydration. It is very delicious. Guys, it's very it's crisp. Just, it's alkaline with a pH of water. nine point five. That's it, a perfect pH. It's simple. It's the water we drink. You okay. can buy Zen Water online at zenwater.com. That is Z-E-N-W-T-R.com. And they have given our listeners a special discount to try Zen Water. If you go to zenwater.com 
slash first podcast, you will save 20% on your first order. Jay, can I ask you a few? I just have two questions. Yeah, of course. In regards to um, the medication. Sure. So Aaron had a friend, a, a friend who had a job at a really great coffee shop. I was literally going to ask this story. Well, can I just like quickly give the cliff notes on and then you ask the questions here? Yeah, yes. But on top, sure. On top of that, my question is about how accessible and how affordable the medication Mm. is. Number one, is there legislature to try to make it like, they're trying to make insulin. They're trying to cap it, right? At like $4 to to make it not so hard to get. That's number one. Totally, Two is how do you, what is the messaging for prevention? Like, if you're a gay man, you're on prep, right? Like Aaron was saying, you're on it and that's just how it goes. But what is the messaging? Should straight men be just taking this medication to prevent? Like, so okay. I'll, I'll let, yeah. Well, the, basically the very quick story is that I would go to Starbucks every single day at the exact same time. And I would see the same exact guy. He was like, became my friend. He okay. was the barista, you know, he let me cut the line. He always like saw me make my drink. And like, we would chit chat and get to know each other. We started following each other on Facebook. This was like 15 years ago. And we became kind of like friendly. And I, uh, after, I don't know, six years or something, I asked, kind of asked him about like, so are you always going to work at Starbucks? Like, what's your plan? And he said, well, I have HIV. And so, um, this is, this is the job that I was at before I had it. And uh, they cover the medication in the healthcare mm-hmm. plan. And so I can never quit. I always have to at least be wow. part time here because yeah, yeah. if I leave the job, no other new job will cover the medication. Now that is fucked up. I'm sorry yeah. for my language. You no, can- it is. That is so fucked up. So I would imagine that you're like deeply immersed in changing that if it hasn't already been changed. Yeah. No, you're in, these are very, very relevant issues in the world right now. I mean, um, so first and foremost, the medication is not cheap. If I don't have insurance, uh, if I don't have insurance of my own or whether it's provided through work, someone who doesn't have health insurance in this country for the two pills that I take, it's 800, no, it's, it's $1,600 per bottle per month. Holy shit. What? Yeah. So you're talking third, you're talking third. Who can't afford this? I, I'm. This is. Oh my- yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, a lot. Access to medication is incredibly important, and yes, there are a lot of people that cannot afford this. Now, thankfully, so it's standard for healthcare to cover it. So no, it's not standard. I mean, at the end of the day, like some healthcare, some you know, the fact that Starbucks covers that medication is is incredible. And I, to be honest, I, I didn't. I, I didn't know about that. So if that's the case, I'm going to look into it. And if that's the case, then yeah, totally, they they deserve an applause for sure. Um. Look, one of the biggest conversations I've had with with my friends that are a part of this advocacy and this this mission with me, um, especially some of my friends in Africa, you know, they do see my life as being easier. And the fact of the matter is, is you know, with uh, foreign aid money and and the support that goes into the philanthropic efforts of not just our foundation but all uh, global health community, they can go into a facility in Africa if they can get past that stigma, they can walk into a facility and get their medication for free. Wow. I have to pay $700 for my health insurance because I'm, I work for myself. And then on top of that, even with insurance, I have to pay $160 for my two bottles, my two bottles. Cause they're still $80 a piece. That's because the class that this medication is identified as within the insurance structure. So at the end of the day, this is still like a class D pill 
and medication, which creates a very high copay with it. Where at the end of the day, if it was, if it was brought down in that class, like you're saying with like insulin, for example, then yeah, at the end of the day, my copay would be like four bucks. Um, so yes, I mean, are talking about pharmaceutical companies making these drugs, or is it just one pharmaceutical company? So there are, uh, it's not just one. There are multiple. The one thing that I will say that is very uh, important piece of information for everyone to have out there, um, for example, uh, Gilead that makes um, uh, PrEP, they do offer um, amazing subsidies for people who are HIV positive. So it doesn't cover if you don't have health insurance, but at the end of the day, um, they do offer some financial support for that. But yes, I mean, access to care financially as well as geographically is a huge issue in the world right now because if we could give everyone access at an affordable and localized level these two pills which could also like i said just be one pill a day could give you an undetectable viral load which means that you will not pass it on and like i said behaviorally we can eradicate this disease by combating the things like access to medication and awareness and education and destigmatization and all those things as well um but yeah, it's it's it is it is That's very. That's what we real. need to be fighting for. We need to be fighting for. So we have a bunch of things to be fighting for. But oh yeah, that needs to be fought for because you cannot eradicate AIDS until it is affordable and available to everybody. Uh, you're okay. spot on. You're spot on. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe maybe the three of us we can make this we a mission. We take on of our the own. pharmaceutical industry, you guys. We can die <laughs> to take them on. We've been dying to take them on for many reasons. This could um, okay. be okay. Really okay. This is, this is the straw that broke the camel's back. Let's rock and roll. Yeah. All right. Well, we talk about going against the grain and being disruptive. My mom would be very proud. (laughs) She would be very, very proud. Um, No, but thank you for bringing that up because it is, it is a really important, uh, you know, and, and, and poignant reality right now, which is, you know, I, I, a lot of times, like I was saying, I ask my friends in Africa, like, do you want to switch seats with me? Um, Would you like to come live in the U S and have that financial burden Um, you know, and, and a lot of them are like, like, whoa, I didn't realize that that was the case. And so no matter where you are in the world, no matter who you are, no matter what it is you're facing, there's all sorts of challenges. Um, you know, and the the best thing we can do is ultimately get down to like, don't let our circumstances divide us. Let's understand that we feel the same. We're all human. We're all connected and we can, we epic future together, uh, if we align in these ways. Um, one of the things that I really try and, and, and do here and in every day of my life is educate those around me on how they can be a part of creating an age regeneration, how they can be a part of supporting more of that awareness. Um, you know, through your world, I mean, you guys, you have your, your podcast, um, you have your fashion line, you guys, you guys are, are entrepreneurs and you guys are rocking and rolling in a lot of spaces. How do you feel these industries can support this dialogue and get involved with how to continue fighting for an age regeneration and maybe support bringing some of this discussion up to the forefront, you know, just as like a quick example before you answer the question is like, you know, taking pills are stigmatized. Yes, we need to destigmatize taking medication, but you can also like maybe create like a half stick of, of, uh, of lipstick and then let the bottom of that lipstick be like a pill container so that you can kind of carry your, your health needs incognito. So I think there are just some really creative ways that maybe you and your community could support. Social media has really given everybody an opportunity to destigmatize something and bring awareness. Mm. And I think that we're living in a, I mean, it's a, it's an interesting time. It's a complicated time because on one hand, I feel like um, we have a generation of kids uh, whose currency is taking things personally and mm. uh, monetizing that. <laughs> and I don't, 
I don't agree with that. I don't yep. like that's an issue I have with woke culture is like the world is meant to learn to not take things personally, um, not to take everything personally. Nothing right. is an attack on you the way that it feels like it is. And so I wish right. that this generation that's young could learn to not make everything about them. That yep. being said, social media has also on a positive side, given everyone a platform. So obviously there's going to be people who use it in a, in a negative way, but there is also a, a huge body positivity movement and a huge movement for, movement for people who are either underserved or criticized more often and giving them a platform for positivity and for support from other people. And so you always have two sides to the same coin. And I think that uh, being living in um, an awakened time is, which is something that Sarah Silverman um, used that phrase when she was making an apology for mean jokes that she had done to uh, Paris Hilton in the early 2000s, I think. Okay. Um, is that we are living in a really awakened time and it can be, uh, it has positives and negatives to it. And the positive totally. really is that um, you can shine a light on things like this and you can destigmatize it and you can put a face to, to these issues and totally. uh, personalize it because people feel like they, you know, celebrity has sort of been like diluted because it's not that exciting to read a magazine and see someone grocery shopping the way that it was 10 years ago. Cause now <laughs> they show us yeah. themselves grocery shopping on their Instagram accounts. Totally, totally. So we, you know, we feel like we're also connected right now. Um, even though it's like a disconnected generation, obviously we're always on, you know, we're looking at computers instead of human beings right totally, now. And totally. Totally. VR meetings, you know, in the next three months, probably. So it's like, but we are all connected to each other's experience because we um, hear each other's experience and see each other's experience. And I do sure. think that that is an opportunity for people like you and like us to shine a light on something that maybe somebody else would have been un too uncomfortable yep. or just to ask about or just not educated. Sarah and I haven't been educated. You know, we're learning from you hmm. now how actively yeah. of an issue HIV still is in mm -hmm. America, which is really not something that I had an understanding of. And I don't know, I don't think Sarah either. So having the conversation means that we're going to now have the conversation with somebody else and, and it continues to grow. Love it. But we want to be part of the destigmatization. Sure. Um, got, got it. Is that <laughs> and, and I, there are so many ways to do it. I don't know if Aaron said some of this. Sorry, I was getting a. a Please don't repeat me when I'm saying amazing things. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I tuned you out. I tuned you out for thirty seconds. And also, don't time. waste time repeating me because we have to leave in four minutes. I don't think you said any of this. Oh my think, God. You know, we're story we're storytellers. Aaron is a yes, writer. you I are. You it's are. It's up to us to write characters who are HIV positive and That's show true. them living normal life. There we go. And, hire people in our companies yes. who are HIV positive and we work closely with them and we hug them and we freaking share water with them and they're part of our life and meet her. She's HIV positive and she's my fucking best friend. And we're mm. writing those characters. And those are ways that, that, that we can participate in the destigmatization. Yeah. I think that's beautiful. And we um, need to call on other writer directors to do the same because yes. it's high time. We see an HIV positive heroine, character on these tv shows in these films and those are things there should be a character on disney plus the shows well, that that's our a, generation that's a, yes it's a it's a it's ways. a negative uh it's a negative frame to put them in when when you yeah. when you compound all those other issues um yes you know I, you hit the nail straight on the head like you two in the space that you're in yes i think that you know storytelling is the cornerstone of By all way, of history we're glorifying cancer all the time. Some of our favorite films fall in, fall sure. in our stars about a young kid dying from cancer. And like mm. my daughter's generation love that movie. Where is the movie about mm. the young girl dying from HIV? Now, granted, 
you know, you're not, I, I think, I think more kids <laughs> die from cancer. I think so, more children die from cancer than pediatric cancer than pediatric AIDS, right? Yeah, well, it's uh, the numbers. I mean, I, to be honest, I don't know the numbers from cancer. I mean, I know they are very, very big. I mean, the reality is that, you know, still today, I mean, uh, 400 babies are born HIV positive every single day. Um, and, and those, those are only the ones that we know about, you That's know, and, it, and, 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 and HIV is still a leading cause of death, uh, amongst young women, uh, in sub-Saharan Africa and young people, you know, in general, in, in that part of the world. Um, so yes, I mean, the story needs to be told, you know, we tell our story through the foundation a lot and we're finding new creative ways to be able to express that story. Um, yeah. you know, even within kind of the Hollywood space. Um, but yes, I mean, your support to be able to like write in characters that represent a reality of HIV today. Um, I think that would be an incredible way to be able to, to start getting that information out there, right. A a prospering family that has an HIV positive individual and some of the awareness and what they had to go through to achieve that, because it really isn't any different, um, from the way that you would, even frame up someone else who's not HIV positive that just deals with what it's like to to get married, to have kids, to deal with those family struggles, and to live life in that incredible, uh, you know, challenge of a way that brings so much beauty to it. So, look, thank you so very much for joining me today. It means the world to me. I can't wait to see you guys like in person at an event yeah. again. Any way that I can be of support to you two in your advocacy around HIV and AIDS, seriously, do not hesitate to reach out and ask. I'm an open book. I'm willing to share all of my life story with with the two of you. Um, My goal is to find as many individuals who are passionate, not just about the foundation, but about life in general, uh, to, to continue to join us in conversations outside of the events like we're doing today. So, uh, so yes, please, like, don't ever hesitate hey, to reach out. Book? Both of have you written are, a book? Not yet. Um, uh, okay. Um, we're, let's, let's get your book written, and then let's turn your book into a movie. We'll produce it. Let's make Now we're talking. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank and you, I got so, so many. Thank you so much. We love this conversation and we're so excited to keep talking to you and just, you know, let this conversation grow for more and more people to have awareness and be helpful in any way that we can. So you are awesome. And we're so glad that we got a chance to talk to you. Back, back at you. Both of you just rock. I can't wait to throw back a margarita with you guys. <laughs> um, and yes, just thank you again so much for your continued support. You've been coming to this event and part of this foundation since practically day one. Um, mm. And we have a lot to thank of your parents for that as well. Um, so thank you both. Have a wonderful day. Continue the great work. You too. Bye, nice to talk. If you like this podcast, leave a rating and review. This podcast is executive produced by... Can you not use that voice? I'm sorry, I'm trying to sound... Yeah, but you don't need to make it sexy. This podcast is executive produced Just by... Be, can you, do you have a normal voice? Yeah. Aaron Foster, Sarah Foster, and Allison Bresnick. Okay, I'll take over. Our, Our associate, associate producer is...